0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Working On It, a podcast that follows creatives, makers, and doers working on projects between and after hours. I'm Gemma DeLog, and I'm here with Chakusha Khan, my co-host.
1: Hey, what's up, everybody?
0: Every week, we'll be interviewing guests to discover useful tips, tricks, and inspiration on topics like time management, work-life balance, motivation, and much more. This week, we have Will Brown, also known as Charlie Coyne. Will Brown is a... (laughs) Will Brown is a Philadelphia-based musician, songwriter, and producer. He released his first album, Chuck, in 2018, and recently released his follow-up album, Pumpkin, in April 20.
1: So, uh, Will, tell us a little bit more about your music and how you got started.
2: uh, Well, how I got started is an easier question to answer than just... Yeah, so how I got started, uh, I've been playing drums since I was five, uh, guitar since I was six and then everything's kind of spiraled from there so yeah i just i'm just like a lifelong musician it wasn't really a thing that i jumped into anytime recently by any means
1: gotcha yeah um, and you recently released pumpkin tell us a little bit more about that project and and sort of you know what the thought process was behind that
2: uh pumpkin was uh It's basically a product of me getting a drum kit in my living room. Um, I was living at an apartment in Philly and one of our friends who had moved out of his parents' house, left a drum kit. His mom was like, I I don't want to lug this around and uh, needed a place to put it. So we were like, yo, let's get that drum kit. We got the drum kit, put it in the living room. And then I basically, my studio moved from what had been my bedroom into the living room. Uh, and just kind of stayed there because I really liked how it worked out. So at that point, I had a piano, a drum kit, and then I mean, those are the only instruments I that you have to record live now. Like my guitar, I can just plug in my computer. Bass plugs in my computer. Um, so basically, I was able to record completely live songs. So I think you know, on the project, there aren't any fake drums. All the drums were recorded on that kit. And um, beside that, there's just, like, a couple synths here and there.
1: But for the most part, it's just, like, drums, bass, guitar, and piano. Nice. Yeah. So, so I'm kind of ignorant as to how recording music works in general. Um, so you said that you can plug in your bass and your guitar. And, like, so the computer would just pick up the notes?
2: Yeah. So you have this this thing called an interface that has, um, like, you know, your guitar cables, you can just take that cable plug it into that and then when I open up pro tools on my
1: computer I I can just connect those channels gotcha yeah. and then so you record the piano and the drums live so if you're doing that in your living room is there like special considerations that you have to make do you have to like kick the cats out and set up <laughs> you know egg cartons everywhere or what do you do
2: um, when I was mixing the project, actually, there's this funny, uh, thing that I noticed because you, you listen to the song like a thousand times when you're finishing it up. Yeah. Um, there was a door creaking and closing at this like one spot in one song.
1: And, oh, uh,
2: I had to like go into that one track that caught it and, and just like cut that little bit and like turn it down a lot. So you couldn't hear it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, people who are audiophiles will tell you that you need to, like, put blankets up everywhere, like, build panels and stuff. But, uh, yeah, you just kind of deal with what you get. And if it turns out awful, then that's what you got. And oh if it turns out decent, that's what you got.
1: All right. So for people who can't see us right now, which is pretty much everybody listening – Gemma and I are on some real Chris Crocker shit where we're, like, in a closet. We're, like, covered with blankets. I'm in, like, a pillow fort. Gemma is in a literal closet right now with, like, jackets and stuff.
0: Yeah, Um, I feel my sweaters behind me. (laughs) Yeah,
1: we're we're relatively new to podcasting, so we didn't even think of it that way. We, like, tried to take it to the max and try to soundproof everything. What you're saying is that it's not, like, that, like, crazy, right? Like, you don't really have to. Uh, Yeah.
2: I mean, it, It, it is God. it, it varies a lot room to room. Um, yeah. but our house that we were doing this in just happened to work out well. Um, but it takes sort of a level of knowledge to know like whether the room is actually a problem or not.
1: Um, yeah. that's a relief. Cause I've, I mean, like for the hour that it took leading up to this, I was fighting my cats to get them off of my pillow fort because they just want to tear it down. And
0: fighting your pillow fort. <laughs> and, oh,
1: yeah, and also fighting my pillow fort that just was like taking yeah. shots at me. Like the different poles I have holding this thing up were like slapping me in the face and like knocking my stuff over. It was awful. So that's, that's a relief. Now I know I don't need to do this anymore. Thank God. Thank you, Will. Appreciate it.
2: <laughs> Potentially. I mean, see, if it starts sounding really bad, then you might want to
1: rethink and bring the pillow fort back. Oh but... my God. we'll we'll try one with one with that. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Or
0: like recording in your living room. Like you did such a great job with Pumpkin Will. I think you you have such a solidified sign there. I think every song in this EP is unique. Um, but still has their own vibe to it. So it was like a really nice, like Thanks. easy listen. It was awesome. Um, mm-hmm. so that's like you released that April twentieth. You had also um re released Chuck in um Right before this, earlier this year. Can you tell us more about that? Like, why did you have to release it before you came out with Pumpkin? Or why did you want to re release it before coming out with Pumpkin?
2: So, um, that song, or, mm, all right, well, the idea was my friend Mo's idea. He was like, I think, because yeah, I, I ask, you know, some of my like closest friends, you know, how to, like, I, I try to get third party takes about like how i should promote things and stuff um and he said that i should re-release chuck and and put a bonus track on it so that's what i ended up doing um the backstory there is that uh i had put chuck out on a certain distribution platform called stem which was kind of like a highfalutin you know like you had to know somebody to get on it and they ended up cutting out like a lot of their user base at one point. So Chuck got transferred over this thing called TuneCore, which is just expensive, and I didn't want to keep all the stuff on there. So then I had to transfer it over to another thing if I want to do that, and it was like 12 tracks, and I was lazy. So I I didn't transfer Chuck. Uh, So that's why it wasn't available uh, in the first
0: place. Gotcha. Is it, like, harder to set up for your Spotify account and that's why you started with STEM and then so that- STEM
2: STEM is Spotify. STEM STEM is the oh, okay. the middleman that actually gets your music on a spot. The way that that um Spotify and iTunes and stuff work, it's actually pretty interesting. They don't take submissions from any uh entity that has fewer than like ten releases out. So you have to be a label or you have to be like one of these big companies to actually be able to put stuff out so there are different websites that uh you you pay in different ways and different amounts people have different like business plans for these uh that make it so you can put your music on spotify and and itunes and stuff gotcha Gotcha.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, similar to Jack. I am ignorant of that process.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's it's interesting because like I feel I assume that everyone knows this because most of my like people that I hang out with all the time are like, this is just what they know, you know, and uh, yeah. So it's (laughs) it's cool to explain it. I feel like I uh, I know stuff, you know.
0: (laughs) That's that's
1: awesome. No, that that totally makes sense too. Because like I have so many friends that are rappers, and they're just not. Like, they're in different, you know, levels of success. Like, they're in various levels of success. And some of them, I'm like, dude, you just started rapping. How are you on Spotify? And I, so I didn't know that you could just pay into something. I thought you had to be mm-hmm. kind of popping to get on
2: there. Well, that, That's yeah, kind of interesting. they built it that way so that it would be like that, right? Like, they didn't want to be SoundCloud. Uh Yeah. But, you know, I mean, we've seen how that's played out. And and there are rumors that Spotify will have a SoundCloud, a more like SoundCloud Bandcamp thing eventually, where you can just upload directly to Spotify.
0: Hmm. Who knows? That's
1: interesting.
0: Gotcha. Well, I kind of wanted to dig into, because you had released, we released it, um, Chuck, earlier this year. Can you tell us more about, I guess, the evolution of your sound or your transition, you know, listening to Chuck, was really interesting because I think you had some great diverse sound there. You had mentioned, you know, there's a song in there for everyone. And then going into pumpkin again, you had kind of, uh, I think it was a more solidified sound. What was your process in approaching pumpkin after approaching Chuck?
2: So Chuck was a fun project to make. I was kind of finding myself to an extent, uh, those songs were all made right after I had, um, like, graduated from college and had spent time like on my own and dealing with like real world stuff. But at the same time, they were all—it was a lot of short songs uh, and and a very broad palette of sound, which I I like to do. I mean, I like to like make a lot of different sounding stuff, but people have a hard time like trusting a an artist who's like all over the place especially within one record like it, at least if you can you know have your records be like sort of an idea um which is what really started to excite me with uh pumpkin when i had the drums on everything and whatnot i felt like i was i actually so like i don't know this is kind of crazy but i had this i found this old vintage boombox at a uh at a thrift shop that just looked so cool and we had it sitting on top of our piano and i started thinking about like all right what would what would songs sound like that came out of that so a couple of the that's interesting first you know like ideas were like were like that so i was kind of making like what i would what i thought of as coming out of a radio that was like from the 80s
1: Okay, totally, yeah, totally picked up on 80s. <laughs> Got, like, a little baby smidge smidge of uh, some, like, late 70s kind of <laughs> sounded smidge, stuff. Yeah, 70s. Yeah, I think the
2: music sounds more, uh, in in my mind, a lot of it is, like, the 70s stuff, maybe except for uh, Shifting Light, which is, like, a, uh, like, Daft Punky yeah. kind of thing in my mind.
1: Uh, mm. Yeah. But even Daft Punk is kind of messed around with, like, different decades, too, you know? So it almost feels like it's like y'all met together. It's like when I was in an airport in Mexico, and I spoke to a Japanese dude in Spanish. You know what I mean? That's wild. Yeah, Yeah. it was really crazy. I couldn't speak Japanese. He couldn't speak English. Both spoke Spanish. But that's neither here nor there. We'll continue.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't have too much more uh, more there. Pumpkin, yeah, pumpkin. Pumpkin was me trying to do like sort of 70s sound and stuff too. There's other stuff I was thinking about. I was yeah. thinking about this idea of like making records uh, for whatever that's worth. In my mind, it has to do with like uh, things you would put on a turntable, you know, like that, like literally vinyl records, but then also like recordings rather than like, I make a lot of beats. So Chuck was sort of a product of like that earlier stage of like trying to make beats yeah. and
1: then writing songs for this was like writing songs and recording them. So you're saying that, like, in a lot of cases, you would write the beats before the songs? Well, actually, you know what? Better yet, in general, could you sort of speak to what your creative process is like when you make music?
2: Yeah, so at least for those two projects, I could distinguish it right there, which is that, like, Chuck was more like I would flesh out an instrumental idea or a beat and then write to it. These songs kind of function the same way i mean in a certain sense it's like the same deal because i would what i like to do is play drum beats and then build build around that but it's different when if it's like a you know a drum beat i'm playing on the drums and then i add guitar and stuff like that i'm just in a whole different headset than if it's like like a hip-hop beat that i'm adding stuff to mm. and then i write to it differently
0: so when it comes to um sound writing or making beats what would you say are your biggest struggles
2: uh wow well, i mean the whole the whole thing is a struggle <laughs> you know you you're, you're struggling against all the trash that you make to find a gem you know so it's like oh man i like finding inspiration i guess yeah it's it's a struggle against all the things that don't work out you know you sit yeah. down and you're like oh this
1: is gonna be sick and it's just like no no it's not (laughs) like all right so what is it that like like what makes the cool thought that you had in your head not work out is it just the inability to connect the dot from like what you thought to what you made or what would you say
2: i I think it's really chaotic and, and you can't really like pinpoint it uh it it could be so many things and sometimes it's like you'll you'll make something one, you know, there's the classic case of like, you make something at night and you're like, Oh yeah, this is the thing. You wake up and you're like, no, this sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's like the opposite of that where you make something one night and you're like, okay, I made something. And then, all uh, right, for example, well, that's a different story, but like, then you come back to it later and you're like, that's cool. You know? And then you end up like, you're like, Oh, but this, this one thing needs to go or like, I need to add this one thing. And then you, you're you able to work on it from there. Gotcha. Gotcha.
0: Well, I had a question because you're talking about, you know, facing those struggles of making a lot of trash before you find that de- gem. And I think a lot of creatives can definitely relate to that. How do you push yourself past that stage like, where you're like, shit, man, I don't like any of this. You know, do you just – yeah, how do you – push yourself past
2: that um I think uh being being gentle with yourself and and I, I believe strongly and like uh sort of trusting whatever it is you're making at that point and like that's if that's what you got that's what you got uh and if you know that that's your best and, and and if other people are telling you it's your best you know like your friends are usually pretty solid critics of, of it especially if you're deep in it if you just start people are like oh this is awesome you did it you cool but if you have some like rapport of of actually you know like putting some effort in your friends will tell you which stuff stands out or not um when they're less afraid to hurt your feelings mm. um yeah yeah so that helps
0: yeah, no, I think that's definitely helpful. And actually, that's a great question that I had in regards to the relationships that you have. As you were mentioning, you have a lot of friends who are making music, so they know what's up. And, you know, they're not just coming from a place of wanting to support you, but also wanting to make sure you're, like, you're producing the best that you can produce. Uh, can you tell us more about those relationships? You know, you've worked a lot with Chili, Remington Iron, uh, those seem to be art- artists that you really work a lot with. Um, how did you meet these people?
2: Yeah. I mean, those are my best friends. Um, and um, like, uh, so Remington Iron is my friend, Jake, who has been my best friend since like eighth grade. Uh, and we just have grown up together uh, more or less. And um so, like, my heart is full for that kid. And then uh, at the same time, like, he taught me a lot of stuff I know about songwriting. Like, uh, when we were in eighth grade, he was getting taught chord theory by his saxophone teacher. So he would show me stuff. And I was like, it just opened my mind to that. Uh, we would write songs. I When I was in ninth grade, I played a song that he wrote at, like, open mics and stuff when I was doing, like, acoustic shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, so then I sort of helped him learn how to produce, but really he like learned how to produce (laughs) ultimately. Uh, And he just makes really awesome stuff. Super talented guy. And then um, Shil, who you asked about, has also become one of my best friends. I met him through my friend Wes. So my friend Wes Walker, who made the song Jordan Belfort, uh, who I was friends with in high school and stuff like that. I don't know. You guys might not know that song. I think I brought that up, but somebody's going to know that song. Uh, he had, like, a kind of lit year off that song. So people were reaching out to him left and right, blah, blah, blah. And then this kid, Shilly, who was, like, kind of popping from Delco and, like, in the South Philly scene, he was, like, doing his thing, linked up with him, and I heard his song, and I was like, oh, <laughs> this, this kid is fire. And then we started, like, we made a song together that summer. We made, like, two songs together, and then it just spiraled from there. And now it's, like, shh all of Shilly's stuff on, on Spotify stuff that I produce for him and, and we hang out all the time. And I, I love that dude, like
1: so much.
0: That's awesome. It's
1: awesome. Yeah.
0: I think it's like super important to have that network of people that, you know, you can rely on.
1: Mm-hmm. So who was the artist that you said, like kind of had like a big year off the Jordan Belfort song. So that's my boy Wes, uh, who I went to middle and high school with. And we, we like through events and stuff back in the day. Yeah. So here is like a weird question. Uh, so I want to ask you about, you know, how do you promote music? Because I feel like half of what, you know, making all this music is about is like you make the music, you create this great product. But then it's like, how do you get it out to people? How do you because, you know, if you make something great, no one ever hears it, you know, then it like it's kind of like kind of defeats the purpose almost to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. So. I was around Drum when Drom released uh, One Epic Summer, which is like the basically the mixtape that blew him up and like, you know, made him become like a big thing.
2: With Cha Cha on it.
1: With Cha Cha on it, yeah. And it was so wild as like when he everything he did up to then could not he could not get anybody to look at it. I was running a magazine at the time. I didn't listen to it, and I and I feel really weird now because I feel like drama was so cool, um, but I just for whatever reason I just never listened to it. I don't know why. I just I just ne- it just never caught my attention. So, you know, what did that guy do to blow up? You know, off of that song, and then like, what kinds of things can you do to promote your music and to try to replicate a sort of a thing like that?
2: So that. The Jordan Belfort song was just
1: timing,
2: culture and and it was a bop. <laughs> like that's still yeah. one of my favorite songs from Wes, like I, he's probably so sick of it cuz he's had to do it so much, but um <laughs> I, I like it's a jam and and the lyrics are so funny and and um like clever. So it, it's it is a great song. Um And then the timing of it, it came out like the year after Wolf of Wall Street happened and whatnot. So people just got hooked. The chorus is, I've been getting dirty money, Jordan Belfort. You know, so like, that's kind of cool. What
1: are you going to do? So is it, so is the idea that to a certain degree, you have to sort of like co-opt some sort of a cultural thing. So with drama, it was kind of interesting because he did cha-cha, right? Mm -hmm. And cha-cha cool i knew off the top it was going to be great like when i first listened to it i thought it was great a week later somehow there was a video of beyonce dancing to it on instagram and that's essentially the thing that shot him off into that atmosphere but i wonder like what was the work that went into doing that because cha-cha itself doesn't necessarily co-opt any sort of huge um cultural phenomenon that's like of the time it has a mario kart sample in it uh which is you know that's pretty cool but uh I feel like with like chiptune and like all these like different I feel like it's popular to like sample video games and stuff Mm -hmm. now so that wasn't even a particularly unique thing that was happening like do you have you ever thought about how do you get music into someone's hands that like makes it go
2: yeah I mean even though cha-cha didn't have like a specific cultural thing behind it 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 was it's not like it was skipped to my loo, you know, it, it was no, I mean, a badass, badass, song. Yeah. <laughs> it was a badass yeah. song for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, you know, that's, that's just sort of a given and I, I'm betting that you're just kind of assuming that that's part of it, but um, yeah, I think beyond that, like making something that fits well enough within to what people are like expecting in the time, a- a- expecting, expecting also in the sense of like, it just being good enough that it's not like whack, um, I think it's a lot love luck. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cause I've, I've been putting stuff out for so long and I've seen things do this, that, and the other thing I've had a couple things sort of take off in smaller ways and then others. And you're just kind of at the mercy of like algorithms and who finds it and, and who has a following that when they repost it, it gets actual advertising like a Beyonce Beyonce dancing to your shit or like one of these famous TikTok girls dancing to your thing is like, that's how records get broken now.
0: I was just about to say, you just have to make a TikTok video. You
2: just got to get on TikTok, (laughs) man. But what you need is to to hit up one of these marketing companies. Check it out. So these marketing companies, the biggest marketing companies in music right now, the only thing they do is have relationships with influencers and i'm I'm sure this is outside of music too Mm -hmm. but like they just have a roster of like a hundred influencers that have like millions and millions of followers and and pay them you know they're on payroll it's like um so that's what you need to do uh which begins with like a five thousand dollar check probably at the low end
1: (laughs) hey this is this is sort of like a little bit off topic but i want to get your take on this because I'm a little bit of a hater and cool. I feel like Drake with his yeah. <laughs> slide thing, oh, I feel no. like it's uh, like the wackest shit. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> and I feel like, and you know what? It's so crazy. It's like in the past I thought Drake was just a marketing genius. Like the way he released, like, uh, like nothing was ever the same, like with no announcement he just like cold dropped it. And then the way that he had, memes popping every time drake drops any sort of new music there are memes he owns the internet for like the month following yeah. but once he did that 2c slide thing i was like now is drake smart or is he hiring somebody because this is too overtly <laughs> you know what i mean yeah i can't speak to that man you just it was me, me. oh
2: was-
0: it was you. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you know what i knew it that's why i asked you no i'm just kidding <laughs> yeah i don't know man that's an interesting question i mean there's uh do you guys ever hear the thing about um i i forget which fucking one it was it was like the nene or something but ellen DeGeneres has one of these companies and and they like are oh, they're oh. a meme generator but like one of those real big oh, i forget which one it was but one of them was created to. To fill that role, like to be that thing,
1: that's wow. ridiculous. And it would figure that Ellen would be one of the ones too, because I mean, she is basically monetizing the fact that she has these really joyful dances in the middle of her show. <laughs> Ellen, shout yeah. out to Ellen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she could have
2: me on, but you're kind of suspect sometimes. We're gonna have to address that.
1: Oh, how she sus? What she do? She's making memes.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, that's what makes me us. I'm just kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. She's trying to yeah. Dog, she's trying to make money but i I, (laughs) she's doing really well but i just i had to ask you about that because like you know even like i've come from a marketing background so i'm particularly interested in marketing but i know coming from a music background you must be seeing this happening and thinking like toothy slide why i feel like it's like the electric slide for fake thugs like i'm like yeah like you know what i mean like this is like the most whack abnormal specifically designed for TikTok quarantine type shit I've ever seen. Uh,
2: oh definitely designed that really? way. I, I have a fantasy of making a project like that. Like just do it.
1: You should. I would I think it'd be to. fun. It'd yeah. be fun. I'd
0: love to listen to I'll that. be in the music video. <laughs> <laughs>
1: quarantine. I'll be in the background, yeah. I'll be in the background yeah. just booty popping. I'll I'll send you an iPhone video of me just yeah. twerking my butt cheeks off. Oh I bet you got
2: a donk too.
1: <laughs> I don't <laughs> I got like Maybe like a single serving of pancakes with no butter and no syrup. Just like the flattest booty of all time.
2: I've got a, a short stack. Back.
1: I just have a long back or like a tall thigh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, oh enough <laughs>
1: that's awesome, man. Anyway, so in terms of promoting music, this is the actual question that I meant to ask you. In terms of promoting music, what is your biggest struggle?
2: Trying to do it organically and, you know, just being at the whim of chance. You know, it's just like such a – it's kind of like frustrating, especially, you know, like the thing you said about the music being good and getting it out there. It's like this – this is at least I can say the best music that I've put out and I've put out a lot of music. So I, I have that feeling where I'm like, man, like this, this feels like a sort of make it or break it point where like, if this project gets no reception at all, it it will be kind of a shame and I, I, I should put in some sort of effort to get it out there. But then the question is like, all right, so do I collect emails of blogs? Do I, like buy YouTube ads or Instagram ads and like uh, those questions are really hard to answer. And I usually just don't do anything.
1: Hey, look, you're a part, you're a part of the culture snack mafia now. Okay. Working on is on the culture snack network, podcasting <laughs> network. And what we're intending to do is basically blow this bad boy up and just be super helpful to our There's friends. So Let's go. go. Let's, Let's, go. Do Let's do it.
0: Well, so I think, well, you've done a lot during quarantine, pre quarantine. Um, and I will say that's probably part of your marketing efforts, you know, putting out a music video, which we'll definitely get to later. Um, submitting for that NPR Tiny Desk concert. You also participated in Orion's Beat Contest. That yeah. on Instagram Live, that was pretty cool. You know, in all this, all the stuff that you're doing, what have you seen to be really successful in, you know, marketing your work or just getting yourself out there?
2: It's actually really, I'm thankful that you're reminding me of those things. <laughs> <laughs> because I did just say I do yeah I said I do nothing but that that's really as far as like you know sending emails to blog bloggers I like I hate that but um yeah the contest I think I uh the Orion Sun one was interesting like I have somewhat of a working relationship with her so when I saw that she was doing that thing I was like somewhat of a when I say somewhat of a working relationship with her I mean like when I see her places I can be like hey what's up and call her by her real name and and she's like oh hey yeah um and it's not weird but (laughs) saw that she was doing that and um I knew I had gas so I was like all right I'm gonna come in and and light this this thing up
0: (laughs) uh
2: oh you had gas I had gas and you (laughs) like Art really messy. <laughs> I had really bad flatulence. <laughs>
0: That's all he was doing for his section of the beat contest.
2: It wouldn't have gone far. The judges <laughs> were harsh. <laughs> were they really? They were. It, it was interesting oh, to see people's takes on stuff. People have very specific reactions.
0: Some of the co- like comments were pretty harsh in that in that snippet you were posting
2: uh yeah people were <laughs> like
0: dude i don't know so that uh-uh. night
2: there's this one dude who is who is in the beat battle that night and just made it negative negative. and it's like dude this isn't a uh, like instagram beat battle with like a an indie artist who's clearly on like totally like kind person time you know what i mean like there's that like that sort of thing yeah. and uh it became this thing where like his his people were there and they were like like just saying shit to the people he was up against, and and it was it made it, and then and then like my friends, my friends were in there too, and were getting like sick of it, so it just became this this thing, this uncontrollable thing.
0: Yeah, what were they saying? Drama. One was like reusing beats or something, or, or recycling beats or something about that.
2: Uh, I don't remember that one, but definitely people were like coming at the other people for having their people in the thing you know like uh, because people were voting so the people voting were in the audience and like everyone who was voting that's what it was this one guy all his people were there and were like pretending to be thoughtful and critical about it but then being like uh you know uh, but i gotta give it to my guy who obviously had the most trash beat of the round so it was just I like,
0: it, all right, you.
2: get out of here. <laughs> and I even said to my friends who I knew were watching, I was like, "Yo, like, don't, uh, don't do me the way that his friends are doing him, because I, I want to win this like fair and square." If I do,
0: right? Well, yeah. So talk about yeah those kinds of you know participating in the beat battle, releasing these videos, submitting to NPR. <laughs> yeah, how how is yeah? What was that like? So.
2: So that, that one, I made it to the final round of the night that I was on and sacrificed myself by playing a song off Pumpkin because it was like a week before the project came out and I lost because it wasn't a beat and uh, that was cool. So I didn't make it to the final round, but I got like 30 followers that night. and uh, Nice. Yeah, so that was sick. Uh, so that was the most directly like influential thing yet, which was really interesting to see. Um, and shout out to Orion for holding that. Like, she's awesome. She's so great. I just want to like, make sure everyone knows that she's amazing. So Orion son, check her out. She just put a project out. But, um, so that's the NPR thing I had known about, but I thought the deadline was over, but they had extended it. And I saw that and I was like, all right, I'm going to freaking do that. And then I, I had like a week to go. So I was like, all right, I can actually put some time into this. And then, uh, did the, the video, um, which took me about a week to put together. And that that's one where like, if that goes anywhere, that will be significant. Otherwise it's just nice to have sort of in the same way that the Clementines video at this point, is just nice to have, like, you never know. And it could take a year for anything to actually gain traction.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. So those, those all those things sound like really punctuated moments that led to like an outsized impact is there something that you do on a regular basis that you find is very effective for promoting yourself?
2: Uh, I mean, I try to keep the story going on Instagram.
1: Um, yeah, you definitely do keep the story going <laughs> on Instagram. I'm like, I'm so inspired by you. I've been trying to keep Culture uh, and like, you know, all the stories that we're doing. I've been trying to keep them, you know, out there. Uh, specifically because I'm like, I can't go on Instagram without being reminded that pumpkin is out right now (laughs) (laughs) that's good to know because you're killing it with that for sure thank you
2: thank you um i mean it's something i realized like when i go to other people's when i go to someone's page and they don't have a story at all i'm like (laughs) it's so it's so insidious you know that like we expect people to be posting all the time like once a day which you would have to do but at the same time it's like it's relatively a small investment to have at
1: least one thing on there you know Mm -hmm. that's definitely yeah so that's would you say that's probably like the most successful consistent type of thing that you do
2: yeah, I mean, I try to post often. Uh, this year, I started doing, like, covers of songs where I'm, like, sitting down at the piano or with the guitar and singing.
1: Um, Yo, some of those are fuego, fuego, flames. <laughs> yeah. Some of those are just absolutely... I feel like, it's what, uh, like... That's
2: precisely your comment on them, too. It's
1: like, fuego, fuego, <laughs> flame. Burns. It's always just, like, fire, 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 fire. <laughs> that's how I comment, dude. That's how I talk. But uh, I've been... I just love your covers man i feel like they're really incredible more than anything i feel like if if you get familiar with your social media presence and like your marketing the thing that you definitely discover is that more than anything you are a talented musician Mm. like you know how to play your instruments really well thanks and it sounds good yeah Yeah. (laughs) you're a great musician for sure thanks um yeah absolutely hey hey man hey absorb all that I see you blushing over there. I'm gonna be a shy. This whole <laughs> thing You're a little shy guy. This Come is on, all right? flattering. <laughs> like this whole thing.
0: Dude, I've been so amazed by the amount of work you've put into releasing your work and just putting yourself out there. I think you've just been killing it. Um definitely inspiring. So you gotta take it all and just bask in all that glory. Just just bask in all it. Basking
1: <laughs> it, dog.
0: I was let it rain no, upon I'm you, it, no. yeah. <laughs> Drip
1: from your, from your, your, your fro. You know, kind of dribble down your face a little bit, go down your shoulders, down your butt crack. Let it go all the way down <laughs> to your toe, dog. You just gotta let it wash you.
0: There you Get go. Going.
1: You know what I'm saying? Also- sweaty butt crack. <laughs> sweaty butt crack, <laughs> yeah, man. Exactly. Swamp. You gotta have that swamp of glory back there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yeah. The swap of
2: kidding. dreams. If you build swap of dreams, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh All my
1: right. god.
0: Um, nah, but Well, I just how was I going to say? No, go ahead, Jack. Totally lost my channel. Of-
1: okay, yeah, no. I I was just going to say um that I also don't have a question prepared for you right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> i, I thought it was gonna to
1: come to me while i was bullshitting but it didn't but uh hold on let me see here. well
0: okay so i have one because you you're talking about stories every day too someone is hyping your work up. which is also i think mm. been working really well it's i think you know having all these people just showing you a lot of love and like talking about um their favorite songs or, you know, yo, just, just check this out. This is awesome. I think it's been giving you a lot of uh, great publicity too. Um,
2: Yeah. I think that that's like my main thing that that's my main thing. And, and that is like, I just try not to take it for granted. Um, And man, like most of the people that you're seeing there are like, most of them are like my best friends some of them are tangential and are, like, truly just fans, but, uh, like, man, they, they they show out, you know what I mean? And it's awesome. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. I appreciate them so much for that. Yeah. You, so
1: – oh, go ahead.
0: I was going to say um, something I also want to bring up because I remember you posting about Eat the Label, and that's your hmm. own label, correct? yeah i gotta that?
2: be quiet so the npr contest it, it's like you can't be on a label even if it's a small label so I've, i'm not on to eat the label right now i don't know what you're
0: talking about we're cutting that out
2: we'll cut that no, we'll it's cut okay out. it's yeah. honestly i like uh i'll explain it right here npr folks i made that shit up that's not a label i'm not signed by any means so it's i i am trying to start a label slash hopefully a publishing company because i really like books So, um, and design. So it'd be cool to like have books with cool poetry or stories and then be able to like get cool designs on the covers and make them. Uh, yeah. So eat the label. it's
1: it's my brainchild. Man, I got to introduce you to, uh, my parents, man. My parents own a print shop in Norfolk, Virginia, and, uh, they have a perfect bond. They can do, um, they can do, uh, paperback books, uh, hardcover books, a little tougher to do, but they have a vendor that they work with to do that too.
2: So Dude, I I did not know
1: that they did books. They do all kinds of stuff, man. Wow. they incredible. <laughs> <All right. laughs> but you know, once you start working on books uh, you know, more often or that's if that's something that you want to pursue, paperbacks we can do cool. right off the jump. Like it's nothing. But uh, you know, once you want to do hardcovers, we probably just connect you with whoever their vendor is and then it's all good.
2: Paperback is the way anyway. Paperback,
1: they're light, floppy. Mm. Mm. That's our favorite thing about most things. Light, and floppy. <laughs> you ever like? Know. Man, I just need something light and floppy right now. <laughs> like, like uh, a yoga said. mat. I need a yoga mat. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't like like you don't like them that much.
2: They're comfy. You know right? you don't like
1: them that much. Will don't try to front like you a a yoga star. Should have seen
2: on. me should have seen me at Temple three years ago at those free yoga classes.
0: Okay. I'm, signed,
2: I'm signed up for virtual yoga right now. I get emails? <laughs> are you really? I get emails three times a week from my yogi from Temple, Bridget. Shout out. Uh but I have not
0: a But I should have
1: Oh, been, yeah. come on, man. Now you fronting. What are oh, you doing? Um, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm sleeping come in. Come on, man. Sleeping. That's ridiculous. No, I'm just kidding. Um so <laughs> okay, so Like everyone else, uh, you are under quarantine right now. You're practicing self-distancing and you're staying in your home mostly. Do you feel like self-quarantining has contributed to your creative process or inspired you at all, or has it sort of hampered your creative process?
2: It's hard to know. I think everybody's kind of fucked up by this right now. Uh, yeah. mentally and um yeah so i have a lot of ideas churning in my head but um i'm lacking like basic human contact which is is weird and i think i don't know it's really hard to to know if i'm if i'm making more and you know, i think if anything it's just that i have more free time i'm not commuting to either of my two jobs uh which is a big one and and i'm working fewer hours in general and i'm living at home so
1: i don't know don't know yeah tough to say um with your creative process, do you find that you're a person that relies more on inspiration or do you feel like, cause I, I feel like you definitely explained earlier how in some cases you just like go fuego mode and you're just on it. And then in other cases you're sort of like did something that you don't really like. And then you pick it up later and you work on it and then it becomes something good has, all that extra time that you have, has it sort of helped with that? Uh,
2: Well, so the last, I have two or three songs that I made that will follow pumpkin. Uh, And they were all made, you know, during this time. And those all came out quick. Uh, The initial concepts Happen in, in a day. Um, and I kind of know what they're going to be. So I guess that probably speaks to the, the time that I have available. Cause I, I didn't have to rush out and go do something while I was putting them together. But they're also like, you know, a lot of, like to flesh out an idea for a song takes like uh, at least like four hours generally. So that's what I get. So it's like, if I start during the day, usually something's going to interrupt it in the afternoon or like dinner is going inter- to interrupt it. So my chances really to get anything done like that are like in the morning or at night. And right now I'm like working
1: all the time in the morning. So like I just kind of have to get lucky mm-hmm. in one of my nights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So So that's incredibly interesting to me. So, I mean, one of the things that we're striving to do with working on it is to... Um, sort of discover tips, tricks, and uh, little things that people can do to be better at what they're doing. And I find that a lot of creative endeavors require larger swaths of time. Um, so you're talking about, you know, a four hour time period, which is not an insignificant amount of time. In regular life, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, obviously with the quarantine, it's kind of a boon in some senses because you have all of this, you know, unstructured time that you've, just come upon recently
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh but during regular life what do you do to create that time for yourself
2: uh, if i can remember back to a time before <laughs> <laughs> what was life like back then oh it was so romantic <laughs> uh, i think i think a lot of time i i would uh just ditch whatever it was I was supposed to do or whatever, you know, because like a lot of engagements that you have like that, you can just not go. Uh, So I think in a lot of instances I would just end up, I'd be like, sorry, I'm sick, (laughs) you know, or whatever. Yeah, Not really like that. I usually don't lie. I'll be like, yeah, I got stuck making this thing. And in my mind, that's enough justification to like not show up to my boy's place or whatever, especially if I like let them know that. Unless it's like a, a let's meet up at six PM, but n- none of my meetups are really like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I think I just sort of let let other things go, and sometimes I just it's like I just have the time to get one little thing out. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Having having days, if I have a day where I can get a couple ideas out, that's like so crazy you know and it's amazing Mm -hmm. so i just bask in that and i think most of the things that i've ended up with have come in times where i've had like really significant periods of time to just
1: really focus in on on music so do you usually create those time periods or do you happen upon those time periods definitely happen upon them and
2: they're usually periodic depending on whatever my work schedule is gotcha Yeah. yeah
1: i gotta tell you that's one of the first things that like When, you know, you told me that you make music and all that shit, one of the first things that I respected about you was the fact that you would just consistently just not be places. And I was just (laughs) like, and then I would say, for why? And then I feel like somebody would tell me, oh, he has to work on something. And I'm just like, man, you know what? Respect. Like, that's (laughs) the best reason to be flaky instead of, you know, being like telling people that you're sick all the time. And me thinking that you have polio or some shit because you just always say, you know what I mean? Because
2: that happens sometimes. That wheelchair's real.
1: not real. Yeah, I was going to say, I bet you can walk.
2: I bet you can walk.
1: <laughs> sure, yeah,
2: shows Put, up in a wheelchair. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'll be like, man, get your Teddy Roosevelt looking ass out of that chair. I'll do it. Franklin, Eleanor Roosevelt. Anyway. I'll be Teddy was, was Teddy amazing. was active. I was say he was the Rough Rider. He was the <laughs> yeah. He's yeah, like he's like DMX's inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh-uh.
0: Well, so I actually have a couple questions following that up, but we'll take this one at a time. You um, work two jobs and then you also do music. Can you tell us more about how you managed that? That's a lot to manage.
2: Yeah, I mean that's you're telling me that that's why so quarantine (laughs) quarantine is like uh I've been able to make like that NPR video and I was able to make the video for Clementines because I had like extra time and no one bothering me no obligations so um those are the things that I wish I could do and that make it hard because like those are really promotional materials at the end of the day and um when when I'm working. 30 potentially plus hours a week uh that's a big chunk of my waking hours that I could be doing other stuff and especially when I'm trying to like make music too because people expect you to just like pump shit out and I was just like
0: right there's that there's that pressure of having to do something and create something um so what are I guess it's hard to say when it's in quarantine, but if you can remember (laughs) from that time, how did, how were you managing that? You know, did you set a routine for yourself? Did you set a specific schedule for yourself?
2: Uh, For like, specifically for what? Can you sort of clarify that?
0: Yeah. um, So uh, say that, you know, Um, you need to go to one job, then need to maybe go to the Mm. other job and then make music. How are you, how were you managing that? How are you just maintaining a good work-life balance where you can still work on your music, earn that money, and then also (laughs) work on what you want to work on?
2: Yeah, I think I just ended up working on music at night, you know, because everything everything else shuts down by five o'clock relatively. Um, So the night's, are, are what I try to take advantage of. And um, I like working during the day. So that's sort of the disappointment of it is that I I don't really often get the chance to do that. So that's why when I get a whole day and, and usually I'm working six day weeks. Um, That's been standard fare for me since I've had two jobs (laughs) before. So I actually, right after I graduated college, I was able to just teach for a little bit and I, I would just, I had like three days that I would work. So then I actually had a lot of days where I was able to like make stuff. Um, but interestingly enough, when I got the second job, it sort of funneled my creative energy. And that's also part of what pumpkin came out of is that I like had these couple songs that like happened in, in sort of a mindset of like it was crunch time, uh, just because I was working so much more than I had been. And I was like, all right, well, I only have this much time to make a song, so I might as well make something that I know is going to work.
0: Gotcha.
1: Oh, man. So I am a really big fan of constraints. Um, I came from an architecture school that was run by just, like, basically just a group of really, really mean Japanese and German people nice and they were just like they were brutal and they were all about like constraints 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 and they were just like I'm gonna constrain you <laughs> nah, 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 nah. and um, and the weird thing was that I found that I when I was presented with like unlimited you know potential in terms of like just you know hey you do you for the next month nothing would happen or things would happen that I was just like, this is nonsense like this building couldn't stand yeah 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 yeah. Uh, but you know the more constraints that would be put on me the better it was like i was told i had to do a 400 square foot footprint two floor japanese tea house uh one time and it had to be touching a lake and most beautiful thing i ever yeah it turned
2: out fire that Yo, uh, same, yeah, same. Same here. That that idea was introduced to me by Remington Iron, my friend Jake. Uh, he had a teacher use the term obstructions. That was based on like some reading that that he had the kids do, and, yeah. and it was just that idea. Is like you, I, and then I read something else somewhere. Another creative person, I forget what it was, but it was more along the lines of like, uh, "Oh man, how did he differentiate it?" But basic, it had to do with with limiting yourself oh yeah it was like you you want to be making something like you have to have some sense of like what you're trying to do yeah whatever it is like it could be weird it could be normal or whatever but like you you have to be trying to do something you know what i mean otherwise like you're
1: just truly throwing shit against the wall uh yeah so do you find that like so in these cases um in this case, I feel like, you know, it was sort of imposed upon you. All the constraints were sort of, you know, given to you by just life and circumstances. Mm-hmm. Do you ever put it upon yourself to give yourself constraints? And, um, and when you do give yourself constraints – now, here's the interesting thing is a lot of times people say, you know, I had these constraints – but when you give yourself constraints, part of the creative process is almost to say what constraints would make me create the most, you know, awesome thing. So that's almost like a meta level type of question yeah. for you. The constraints um, so are a creative endeavor themselves. They are. They are definitely in, uh, in their own right. So what do you ever give yourself constraints? And if you do, how do you structure those constraints or how do you choose them? so
2: usually they're very general um like the most specific one i can think of was maybe like a year and a half ago i made a song uh where i was like i'm gonna sit down and write out a chord progression and that'll be my song i did that and it actually turned out to be a pretty cool song i haven't done anything with it but i liked what happened um but then like more generally uh yeah, no, really. Usually I'm dealing with life's constraints. Like right now, yeah, I don't really have a function.
1: Life is constraining enough.
2: Yeah, yeah. Sure. Like yeah. right now, all I can make is stuff with guitar, bass, and drums, really, because I don't have like a keyboard that works. And I don't have enough, like USB plugs on my computer. So that's mm.
1: my working constraint. That's interesting, though. That's like sort of a, an interesting physical constraint that uh, somebody who has more or less or different equipment uh, you know, wouldn't have to deal with. Um, so earlier we talked a little bit about how, you know, you were able to film some things at home due to all the extra time that you have, you know, during the quarantine. Uh, but I really want to ask you about filming the Clementines video. Okay. Uh, am I right in assuming? Speaking of constraints. <laughs> that you, speaking of constraints, um, am I right in assuming that you filmed the whole thing yourself? And you did, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and it, it seems like it was all shot in one room. Yeah, <laughs> right here. <Okay. laughs> this is – here, that's
2: – oh, well, now I have my green screen up. Like, that's the bookshelf. Right? <laughs> I love yeah. it.
1: Yeah. Hell, yeah. All right, so shit. for, you know, all the listeners – and, you know, we'll, we'll provide a link to the Clementines video in the uh, the show notes in the, you know, description page. Cool. Um, please describe – to everyone the process that went behind that and like how you kind of made that happen
2: so i had had an idea in my head for a while of this like sort of in the same vein of the music that i was making a classic like rock and roll video where like it's like lit nice and you're like zooming in on different people playing the instruments and it's like close-up shots of the kick drum pedal close-up shot of the snare drum close-up shot of the bass player close so i I was really interested in that idea, and then uh, I realized that I could kind of do it. It was before I had a, a drum kit in here, so my options were to do vocals, guitar, and bass. So I set up. I it actually started with me looking at that bookshelf and being like, "That would be a cool backdrop," uh, and I was like, "All right, that's that's the sort of first shot." So I just set that shot up, did the two vocal takes. You know, I did two performance shots, one where I was just looking like dead on and then one where I was dancing around. And then I, you know, like put a different shirt on and like grab my guitar. And I had the idea for like the setup shots, like the one from outside where like, it was so cool. My cat was sitting in the window at the time and I was planning <laughs> on just doing like a zoom in, but he was sitting there too. So I it just it made it better. And um, you know, like plugging it, you know, like getting set up, crank plugging in the guitar and all that shit. And uh, then did the the performance shots of bass and guitar. And I just did like on each instrument, one, one shot of my fingers, my plucking fingers and one shot of my fretting fingers. And then just cut, 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 cut. cut. And uh, yeah. And I have a little experience like video editing and stuff. So that was very useful. And I've watched a lot of people edit videos and shoot videos. So that helped
0: i remember when we did that live chat on instagram way back when feels like a long time ago uh you said that that's also like you had you got a new camera too and so you wanted to fool around with that because it was early quarantine and you were supposed to shoot with your friends or something like that and you're like ah it's sad we gotta stay home and social distance now
2: we had the most fire i well I had the most fire idea for um, <laughs> a a video for Blazing Love. Actually, it was a combined effort. Um, but uh, I had bought a fireman's, like, jacket and shit. And I was going to, like, uh, I had all yeah. these props and this great idea. I don't want to spoil it, but it was going to be good. And then I got the thing and everything sort of spiraled. And then it was like, you can't leave your house. And I was like,
1: fuck. Oh.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So,
0: awesome. This was awesome.
1: This has been yeah, this has been absolutely incredible, Will. I've I've really enjoyed this. I feel like we've gotten some really useful uh tidbits out of you. I feel like our listeners have probably learned something, which is the goal. Like
0: STEM is part of Spotify uh, or STEM is Spotify. At, at the very least. Like I feel that. like you've
1: dropped you've just been making it rain, little nice little juicy tidbits on us. So <laughs> we, we really appreciate it. Um but uh yeah man thank you for coming on the show um do you want to let everybody know where they can find you on social media
2: yeah so uh if you're watching i put my social media name there charlie coin make sure you spell it with uh e y the end of charlie i did not know how people spelled charlie usually when i made up the name so i spelled it wrong (laughs) c-h-a-r-l-e-y there (laughs) are some people that spell it that way but it's People never think they're wrong, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So and and everything else. So like Instagram, Twitter, it's all just Charlie Coin, YouTube,
1: Charlie Coin word. And then uh, plug your project, man. Talk about pumpkin.
2: Pumpkin. We talked a little bit about it. Now I just put it out two weeks ago. I'm trying to keep it fresh in the people's minds and hearts. Uh, it's got five songs. Four that are like legit song songs. One is basically an interlude. And uh, I swear to gosh, it's my best work to date, and people have been telling me that too, who've been listening to my music for a long time. And I have faith in what they tell me so from from what I can tell, it's solid, and I think you
1: should give it a go if you already did, show it to your friends.
0: It's awesome
1: word word Check it out. yeah, um, and as always, uh you can find working on it uh on instagram at underscore uh w o i or no at w o i underscore podcast yes and uh gemma let everybody know where they can find you
0: yeah you can find me um and follow me at j e m m a dot d i l a g also want to mention you know if you like what we're doing like what we're talking about give us a rate or a review on wherever you listen to podcasts um, do it yes we're available on itunes google play and stitcher hopefully spotify soon um or even if there's anything you really want to know more about uh, honestly we're open to anything send us a dm send us a message uh but jack let us know where we can find you
1: yeah uh you can find me at golden underscore baby underscore jack on instagram uh and twitter and uh also shout out to our podcasting network culture snack media you can follow culture snack at culture snack media on instagram and at cult snack media on twitter i've been getting a lot of feedback about this i ran out of letters that's it that's all it is (laughs) um Anyway, look, man. It's been great having you, Will. Uh, really appreciate you coming on. It's been a great episode. And thanks for uh, having you guys, awesome. I miss you. Yeah, says- uh, oh, I miss your face oh. too, man. <laughs> and uh, listeners, thanks for listening. Um, this has oh. been great. See you.
0: Thanks. Bye.
1: Oh, and hold on a sec. Uh, instead of our regular outro this week, we're gonna go ahead and play the song Clementines off of Will's album Pumpkin. Uh, so here it is. Enjoy.